Yo, this one's different. Um, I, I'm off the schedule. This is a bonus episode. Um, a lot of people don't listen. They don't listen. Um, I'm just, I just, yesterday, you know, I've been thinking there's a lot of stuff about the achievement gap and learning loss and these journals are still putting it out and I'm pissed off and I wanted to say something about it and I don't have a guest and it's just me talking and there's music behind it because I realized that if I talk by myself, it's kind of boring. So there's music behind it, but it's not that loud. Um, yeah, you know, if you want to support the work I'm doing, feel free to donate on Patreon. The link is in there. But the fact of the matter is I just needed to get this out. And uh, I basically have a bunch of articles, articles about uh, episodes recorded all the way through like December. So if I waited until then, this would be stale. So I have recorded this one literally just now and I'm putting it out literally now. So, uh, you know, listen, share, tell everybody because this shit needs to stop. because I actually wrote an outline. A rare thing for me to have done. Uh, but basically, uh, I, I I just had to record this because one of the things is I recorded about six podcasts in August to get ahead of the beginning of the season. And so if you're still hearing those, you I've put out four so far and uh, the fifth one will be out next week and then the sixth one and then I have another one recorded and then and then so the point is like if I want to refer to something that's in the news currently it's actually going to be pretty backed up so I had to do this anyway that's why this is happening that's why you're getting a bonus solo episode here and uh here's the gist of it to paraphrase Kendrick Lamar I got a bone to pick I don't want your white savior motherfuckers publishing this shit again Alright, this is the end. I am tired of this. I'm going to make this into a longer project. I'm going to collaborate with people who are interested in collaborating with me. I already have one person who's going to collaborate with me. If you are interested in collaborating with me, contact me. You know how to find me. Okay, I want to make this something big because in the Lord's year, that's not how that phrase goes, but whatever. In 2021, here we are, and there's still a bunch of achievement gap bullshit in the most prestigious journals in the land to go alongside the learning loss narrative that is everywhere. Now, the learning loss thing I knew would be everywhere. When I wrote that article, or co-wrote that article in the Washington Post last summer, uh, I was talking about white flight, and it was weird because, like, white flight being a historical phenomenon that some people still don't really believe in, people don't like to listen to, you know, things that they don't like, but it it was sort of interesting to watch white flight happening, like, in real time. You know, it probably happened in the 80s during the crack boom, too. But, like, uh, to just see people leaving the, the city and talk about how dirty the city is and then and then and all this stuff. And, like, you know, see th- and see this in people I knew, like my coworkers especially, because I, I do not like them. Uh, but, <laughs> anyway. Yes, I am eating, but don't worry about it. Um, so I knew that would happen. And then I knew that there would be a whole bunch of discourse about learning loss during, after the pandemic. I know we're not after at this point, but we're after the beginning, the first year where you could have some measurable results. And I knew that they would be rushing to prove how harmful it was based on test scores. Test scores that are meaningless, but test scores are all the same. Think about it. What is learning loss actually supposed to mean, right? It means that certain people did worse on certain tests particularly not well-to-do, not white, not English-speaking people or students did less well on tests. Now, if they just called it 
students perform less well on tests. Uh, you know, I, I would disagree with them using the tests so you know so prominently, but at least that would be what they need. But learning loss sounds like this ephemeral, magical thing that they've lost. They've lost learning. They've lost learning. I mean, they're talking about these people like they have dementia. I'm not saying that we should be insulting people with dementia, but that's the way they're talking about these students, right? Like they just they've got out to learn. Right? I saw a poem recently that said when people talk about learning loss, they're really talking about a loss of control. Right? You know, they expect that learning, and again, using the word learning is really the problem here. They expect that performance is just going to be linear and each year it's just going to be a building block and whatever, and everything else that happens in students' lives doesn't matter. Right? And then, you know, unfortunately, you know, this stuff gets published in journals. And, uh, you know, people take it as gospel and then it becomes evidence, evidence, right? And then you have teachers who may or may not read the journals and then they want evidence-based practices to take into their classrooms. And what's the evidence? The evidence is things that have worked on learning loss. What they really need is things that are going to work on the tests. And so I don't doubt that most teachers really do care about their students in some way, although I do think it's paternalistic or really maternalistic based on the gender of most teachers. Uh, you know, I think a lot of teachers care about their students in a way. They don't want harm to come to them, but they still think, you know, it's a very white savior profession. I've talked about this a lot. And this learning loss narrative feeds right into that. Now, when it comes to the achievement gap, that was what boggles my mind. I'm not surprised by the learning loss nonsense. And one of the projects I want to work on, if I do get an academic job, and we'll see on that considering how much I talk shit about academia, but frankly, they need people like me, um, is if I do get some sort of support, funding, whatever, to do this, I want to really take a freaking sledgehammer to the learning loss thing. I want to do a meta study, a lit review of every, you know, just the discourse on learning loss since the pandemic has begun, or really since about a year into it when they had some data that they could make some nonsense narratives about poor kids about, um, and, uh, and just, just just really put it into a critical theory frame and talk about how harmful it is and how it reifies, you know, just racist classes, ableist tropes about students. Um, you know, I, uh, I want that to be in the literature. Do I even want to be in these journals if they're still publishing this shit? Not really, but unfortunately, that's the only way you can get anywhere in these fields, right? They have, you know, the only way to be seen as valuable for higher tenure, promotion, etc., is to be in the journals, and the journals are the ones publishing this bullshit. So, you know, you got to speak their language and take them down at the same time, right? And then you wonder why black languaging or other forms of languaging is devalued because it's the editors at these journals who are only accepting a certain type of narrative. And the thing is, you know, you see this a lot when people challenge things. Think about the 1619 Project. You know, she's challenging the fundamental idea at the core of, uh, you know, what white people think about this country, which is that we're this global force for good as we use in the ads for the Navy. Uh, but... Uh, when you realize that we have been, we were founded, you know, on or adjacent to, or really tied inextricably to our enslave our the country's enslavement of people, that that challenges that just they, they can't accept that. that. Nobody wants to be the bad guy, even though you know white Americans are unequivocally the bad guy as a collective. Uh, Again, not individual, but you get my point. Uh, so what they do is. 
they just sort of attack the, the facts of it. They they put they say, well, this you know there might have been three thousand and one people instead of two thousand nine hundred ninety nine. So therefore, this entire thing is leg- is illegitimate, right? It's really just they don't like the idea of it. And it's the same thing that when I and BJ and Scott are talking about an after whiteness ELT, people will try to pull apart you know any numbers or whatever we use right which is why i don't tend to use a lot of numbers in my work because i want you to disagree with my argument and not try to pull you know these foundations apart but anyway so learning if you if you're someone who listens to my podcast you know learning losses is a harmful and fictitious concept right you know that and what i want you to do is if you see that you can't listen to this see that and let it sit all right it's up to you i can't do all of this it's up to you to go and if you have a colleague you have you know whether you're a scholar or student teacher whatever you are if you have a colleague who uses learning loss that's just like a fact get in their face or maybe get in their face on the computer or whatever it is and tell them you know like this is a harmful thing that you are pushing right challenge it we need to challenge this and, and frankly i would like to, to put something together where we can con- you know constructively challenge this as a group uh so if you're interested tell me about it. uh but let's talk about the achievement gap thing because that just that boggles the mind because it is 2021 i thought that well-meaning white people had moved on to an opportunity gap i thought that they had decided a new way to frame their nonsense was opportunity gap right all the gaps are nonsense but uh you know achievement i mean that is some 1990s stuff right uh anyway so the most recent issue of the education researcher has these three articles one says evaluating achievement gaps between monolingual and multilingual students now this is another thing that i have an issue with right They've decided that it's nicer to call students who are in English language classes uh, multilinguals, because most of them are. But they still treat them separate from the other students. So who cares what you call them, right? You just, oh, our multilingual learners, great. I'm glad that you acknowledge the fact that they speak many languages, but you're still putting them off to the side. You're still treating them as lesser. You're still using a deficit uh, you know, framework on them. So who cares what you call them? Anyway, so now we're evaluating achievement gaps between monolingual and multilingual students. If you don't have a lot of time to dig into all of this work, you're seeing that headline, and it's just reifying this idea that there is an achievement gap, right? I'm not reading this article, or I've read the article, but I'm not reading it to you on this podcast. Uh, But ultimately, what it's doing is comparing results, test results, between these two students, right? Two groups of students. And what happens when you do that? It's the same way that they used to be able to say that black people had lower IQs than white people, right? Any achievement test, and the IQ is an achievement test, let's be clear, uh, needs to take into account the lives that these people have. Why might a multilingual student do worse on a test designed by monolingual people, right? Why would the people who construct the evidence not be the people who look better within the evidence, right? And this is not, from the names at least, uh, a bunch of people who are multilingual students themselves, right? This is far as I can tell, a bunch of white people comparing white people and people who are mostly not white, right? White people, if you're a researcher, you need to stop. If you have a, a problem of practice or a, a research question that is 
What is the difference between the white people and the non-white people? Oh, the non-white people look worse, right? Stop that. Leave academia. Get out of education. Stop existing. You're just, you're, you're trash, all right? Just stop asking this question. I'm done with you. Anyway, uh, another article, same issue, says a negotiated disadvantage. California collective bargaining agreements and achievement gaps. Now, this one seems like it wants to do something positive, right? Showing how achievement gaps can be ameliorated, but it depends upon achievement gaps ex you know, existing and not being problematized in the first place. This is from the 90s, man. This discussion of achievement gaps is, is, is you know, I was in like fourth grade when this discussion started, and achievement gap at the time was the nice way to refer to people doing worse based on their, you know, classification, right? And now it's an opportunity gap. Whatever it is, you know, it's always, there's a gap between the whites and everybody else. And somehow they don't want to look at whiteness and the way it forces other groups to be inferior, right? We're never going to get out of this if we don't look directly at whiteness. Never going to get out of it. But white researchers would prefer to not look at that. And again, this seeps into the rest of society because if researchers want to have this very useless academic argument about this nonsense, right? I'm a scholar myself, so we want to have an argument about this in the pages of journals. Okay, fine. But if you're just a teacher, and I, I, as many issues as I have with some white liberal teachers, I don't necessarily blame a classroom teacher who doesn't have the time to read all these journals. They don't have all these um, memberships. All they hear is the headline or the title. Uh, they look at the findings, right? And they don't question the assumptions that are being made when these things are being put together and written, right? So, you know, the, the ju just what's the abstract of this is, is, is going to be harmful, right? These are not questions that need to be asked. You get what I'm saying? Finally, same issue. Students attending school suffer remote, or sorry, students attending school remotely suffer socially, emotionally. And academically and the lead author on that is Angela Duckworth the grit queen the grit queen she's a cancer on academia and I know she works for University of Pennsylvania I don't care uh, anyway they there has been a you can tell it's a concerted effort by certain people to prove how harmful remote learning is now I'm not going to argue that remote learning is good for everybody, right? Even ignoring the pandemic for a second, which is a big statement, but even ignoring the pandemic, remote learning, online learning, isn't great for everybody. Now, why is it bad? Is it bad because remote learning is inherently bad? No, it's bad because it is often poorly constructed. Now, let's be clear, the remote learning that happened in early 2020 happened at the last second and it happened quickly, it wasn't really well planned. No version of learning was going to be good then, so I don't know why anyone even tried to assess any of that. That's ridiculous. Um, and then there's whatever they're assessing in this article, and they're showing that it's really bad for students. Okay, sure. But if the schools were not supported in constructing remote learning, right, if they didn't really get the money, and, and, and receiving Chromebooks is not that, if the students don't have great internet at home, right, uh, and that's not just, oh, well, they're not working on it. You know, the reasons why certain groups of people may not have had, uh, you know, support at home or their parents had to work, right? I, I am very, very skeptical that Angela Duckworth, the grit queen, uh, has 
thought deeply about what actually happens to a student's life because she's the one who believes that you can just improve your grit and if you don't have grit that's your damn fault anyway uh so like if you're at home your parent died of covid your grandma died of covid right and you're on remote learning yeah i probably suffer academically too right maybe i got covid and I, I would probably suffer academically too, right? Especially in these, you know, states where they're not t- caring about this stuff, and even in New York where they're being lax. Although it's still better here than it is in like Texas, Florida, and all that. Uh, you know, I I don't understand how you can just assess remote learning in a pandemic as if it's just this unrelated factor. Maybe in 2030. If we are hopefully not in a pandemic situation, some students can be remote, le- you know, learning remotely, and some will be because all the things that they spent to build up the remote learning, they're going to need some, right? And some students are learning in school. Then you can compare those two groups of students and see who is learning more, right? It would still have some issues. You're going to have to put effort into asking that question correctly. But I have no idea. I mean, like the fact that, first of all, the fact that there is so much. I don't know, uncritical pandemic research out there. Like, there's tons of research on this pandemic, right? How they were doing all of this while it was still going on, I don't know. It's a bad idea anyway. But, uh, like, like you're just reaffirming. I just, I don't know. Duckworth should know better, but she hasn't been yet. Uh, the others who are working with her are trying to get the names in the big journals, and they did. And, uh, I don't know, man. Like, um, I told you I have an outline and I'm not following it because I'm bad at that. But, right. So, the point I'm making about the achievement gap is, uh, this trickles into other places, right? I was watching a YouTube video by a guy named George Rockle Smith. He's not an academic, he's just a YouTuber, right? And he was trying to make a point about functional literacy, right? How there's people who really struggle to read and write. The, the traditional definition of literacy. And uh, these people, um, sorry if you can hear a siren, these people are often in prison and things like that. Like most of the people in prison like, have either you know severe disabilities, some, something like that, right? And, and I won't put the number on it, but the point is, is like, this doesn't just happen. You know, we think these are just bad people in the prisons, but like most of the time it's because the things that we think are the way to get through life are not allowed they don't allow them into. Uh, but anyway, this guy cites the word gap. You know, the word gap, well, you know, the, the, the certain parents that, you know, speak three or four million words by the time they're, right? The word gap, the research was bad. It's been debunked. I don't know if you go into all of that for you. But, like, all of these, like, academic ideas, they seep into society, you know? Uh, for better or worse. Obviously, uh, I don't want to act like people can't understand academic ideas because that's a little bit elitist and I don't want to be that way. But you see what's happening with the critical race theories. People don't really read anything. They just hear what they hear about it. And so when you hear about achievement gap, they just like, oh yeah, there's an achievement gap. Okay, it's been in a study. It's in a study. Um, you know, when, I, when they hear about the learning loss, they're just like, yeah, yeah, the students are doing worse on the test. Well, of course they're doing worse on the test. They're in a freaking pandemic.
look, the teacher who we just saw on the internet doing that anti-indigenous dance for Sokotoa and all that, which, by the way, I don't know why any story is necessary. It's an acronym. It's not... It was never... It's not one word. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong with my teachers. Um, I mean, I know what's wrong with my teachers, but still. Um, so, teachers like that, I think when those things happen, it's bad. Not just because she did the bad thing, but because it's sort of like Derek Chauvin, right? What he did was so obvious and so visible that even just really terrible cops were like, nah, 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 man, you went too far. But it allows them to scapegoat him. Well, when a teacher does this or when they do that, let's reenact slavery stuff. And then they get in trouble, they get singled out. It allows all of the white savior teachers who are really big on learning loss and really big on achievement gap to get away with their nonsense. And it's true with the researchers, right? When you see very little outwardly, you know, N-word using research stuff gets put into journals these days. But the journals are still, and these are the top, the top journals, right? Where they tell you oh, the H index, another made up number like QB rating in the NFL, um, is, you know, that's just part of the, the normal discourse and we, the rest of us, the more radical scholars, and I don't want to have to keep calling myself radical for challenging some racist bullshit, but uh, we have to spend so much effort doing this. My career, I was going to just ask some normal questions about attendance when I started my doctorate. I was just going to try and find out why people didn't attend free classes, what were the reasons. And then, like, I spent all this time, this whole podcast, all of my writing, the book I'm working on, the dissertation, it shouldn't have to happen. It only happens because white people won't stop. You know? And the fact is, they're not going to stop. So the white people who listen to this, you have to stop them. If you review something that's problematic in this way, that talks about the learning loss, that talks about, uh, you know, achievement gaps, you reject that. Don't let that present at any conference, okay? Don't let that into any publications if you have any power. Don't let that come through your class without being challenged if you're teaching, okay? Get that into your head that we can't just, well, you know, that's just how things are. Like, we have to challenge it directly and explicitly. I think, you know, the handful of educators who are saying racial slurs or, do, or doing anti-indigenous dances, like, you know, they're really bad, but there's really just not that many of them. The same way, as, many, as, as bad as it seemed on January 6th, that still wasn't that many people, right? I'm more concerned with the hundreds of thousands of people who funded those things, right? I'm more concerned with the people on the side, the same way I've never been as concerned with the three people who would carry out a lynching. I was always concerned with the 3,000 people who would go to the town party where the body was being hanged, right? You didn't actually kill anybody, but you benefited from it, right? I'm not concerned with the person who wrote the racist ordinance in the town so that black people couldn't live there. I'm concerned with the people who moved to the town and just said, well, this is great for my family, right? So to me, the people who are just riding on the learning loss achievement gap thing, um, and yes, Angela Duckworth isn't actually white, by the way, so she's not black either. Um, everyone who's riding on that, they're the problem, 
okay? I would say if I'm trying to find out who is a scholar and I look up their record of publication and I see learning loss or achievement gap on it without something critical about it, like if you're criticizing learning loss, fine. Uh, to me, that is, that's the scarlet letter. For a, for, a, for a scholar. And I don't mean if someone was writing in 1991 when achievement gap was the nicest term. I mean, we're all gonna end up being wrong 20 years from now. But I mean, if you're still just accepting achievement gap as something to, you know, focus on in 2021, let's be clear, like the Gates Foundation, which is problematic as all hell, even they moved on to opportunity gap a while ago. You can't be behind the Gates Foundation. You can't be behind the Gates Foundation, people. This is pathetic. Anyway, so what I'm saying is we need a big project calling for direct action against these journals. And I'm specifically talking about journals because they have the imprimatur of prestige, especially these top journals, right? You know, I think that the editorial staff should get severely criticized for allowing anything with these ideologies in there. I'm not saying it should be banned because people, oh, the free speech, the free speech, the free speech, right? Fine. But, like, not everything is being allowed into journals. So, it's not the internet in the sense of it being a forum where anyone can post, right? You know, a journal wouldn't let something in that was just full of, like, actually, black people should be called the N-word. Like, that's not coming into a journal, right? The, the journal has standards. They reject things, all, most of the things they reject. So for this to be among the small number of things that they accept, and for this to be several times in the same issue, is an issue. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know. Who's with me? Who's going to join me to make sure that there is no prestige attached to learning loss to similar ideas that, you know, poor or racialized or, you know, unstandardized English or disabled students uh, are, you know, falling behind when what's, not, you know, it's, it's the same idea as saying, because when you compare these people, and this is my final point, because this is not going to be a long one, when you compare people who are in an in-group and an out-group, and then you simply look at the numbers and say, whoa, the out-group has worse numbers. That's all people understand, right? And I don't blame someone who's not doesn't have time to do this work to to really be critical about what it means when an outgroup has worse results on a, a you know an evaluation. Okay. However, it's similar to when you read a story and it says a police officer killed someone because of their race. That suggests that it's a problem that the person lived inside of that race. The problem is never race. No one's race has ever been a problem. The problem is racism. So when you talk about an achievement gap, right, you should be questioning the people who are making the assessments. You should be questioning the assessments. And you should be questioning the people who are doing the teaching and the administrating and so forth. If I see an entire group of people are behind, I should say, man, what's wrong with the school? What's wrong with the principal? What's wrong with the teachers? We all know, and there's plenty of studies on this, that white teachers teach black students very poorly, right? Very poorly, right? All it takes is literally one black teacher in elementary school to increase the chances of a black student graduating. One, right? Not all, 
not 10, not even five, one. Okay, because all it takes, and I, I'm not saying that black dudes are inherently better, but generally speaking, when you're talking about this, you know, there is an, an ability to empathize that, you know, these teachers have. It doesn't mean black teachers can't carry on these tropes. I'm sure there are black teachers involved in some of these articles, right? And like I said, Angela Duckworth isn't white. Although, like I said, she's also not black. Uh, but yeah, it's all dispiriting. And I'm telling you, I mean, like, if I get an academic job at some point, uh, I'm going to destroy learning loss as a concept. I, achievement gaps, I thought was dead. Like, that's pathetic. I don't even know what to say about the achievement gap thing. I mean, the real problem there is the journal. Educational researcher, yeah. But uh, learning loss, it's got to go, right? Uh, and it's the same with the people saying gifted and talented, you know, it's the only way to determine who's smart and who's more deserving. Um, and that just creates competition among white people mostly, although they try to convince the rest of us to join their game. It's kind of like baseball before 1947. It's a useless contest among a bunch of white people, right? So, I don't know, those are my final thoughts here. Uh, I would say academia can do better, but I don't know that it can. I think individual academics can do better, and many of us are. But as a general system, I don't know that academia can do better. The rest of us are just going to have to do better for it.